Hello, world. Welcome to another episode of Outside the Valley, the podcast where we interview remote startup leaders, remote workers, remote work advocates, and companies who thrive outside of Silicon Valley. This is a podcast where remote companies share what works and what doesn't, so you can do it right. Outside the Valley is brought to you by Arc, the remote hiring platform that helps you hire remote software engineer and teams easily on demand just like that. I'm your host, Jovian Gautama. Today, I'm joined by Ho Yin Chen. Ho Yin is based in Hong Kong, and he's the founder and CEO of Remo, the tool that helps you organize virtual events and office space. Ho Yin is also the founder and CEO of Riotly Social Media, an Instagram social media agency that helps you manage and increase the exposure and engagement of your Instagram. We discussed the challenges Ho Yin faced when he began transitioning to be a better remote startup leader as his company transitioned to be a remote first company. We also talked about how his perceptions about remote hiring have changed. In the beginning, he started hiring remotely just to uh, cut costs, a very pragmatic reason. But now he realized that it's more than that. It's about enabling yourself to hire uh, different talents from around the world. We also talk about how his tool, Remo, helped provide the right amount of transparency for remote teams. Hoin also generously shared with us the spreadsheet template that he used to track um, his transition to make Remo a better remote first company. Since we recorded this episode, uh, Remo has organized several virtual webinar events and they have more events coming up so you can also check it on the show notes or on the art blog post. Okay, without further ado, let's start the episode. Here is Hoin Cheng from Remo. Here we go. Hoin, how's it going? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Great. Awesome. Thank you for coming to the show. So just to start everything, um, can you share a bit more about your own journey and your experience as an entrepreneur? Yeah, sure. I guess it's like a little intro. Mm -hmm. um, so I started off as an um, entrepreneur in Hong Kong, did, did a lot of different things. Um, mm -hmm. I, had like, I have like an e-commerce business, uh, did a mobile marketing agency, and then most recently, uh, right now, it is a... Uh, a sort of like a SaaS solution for small and medium businesses to grow their uh, Instagram and social media. And this company is called Riotly Social Media. Um, and then since the beginning of the year, we've been starting to work on a new project, which is called Remo. And Remo is essentially a virtual office video first platform for remote and distributed teams. Um, it's sort of like an immersive uh, 2D map that allows you to talk and easily communicate with your teammates. Um, trying to solve problems like loneliness, social uh, interaction with others. And so this is kind of like the project that I've been focused on right now lately. Yeah, I find it interesting that you're building a tool for remote workers and for the remote industries. Uh, can you share a bit more how was the transition like before? Because your previous product, Rightly, is pretty different from Remo. Can you share a bit more what made you thing that or made you interested in the remote work industry yeah so you know i actually had a remote team um for quite some time and um i i actually didn't know really what remote work was 
um, it, it wasn't, you know, I, I, I hired a team from the Philippines uh, more of as like a cost, you know, effective uh, strategy rather than really thinking about it from like, oh, hey, this is really for remote work. And so I had a remote team pretty much like maybe four or five years ago, um, starting off with a team in the Philippines. And then it wasn't until like about two years ago that I started to read more about what remote work was and, and um, learning about companies like Zapier and um, Automatic that I started to realize that remote work was actually a thing. Like it was actually something that people really were pushing for. And so I went to um, Running Remote uh, this conference that uh, was for people who are leading remote teams. And that's when I started to like really, really dive into and, and really like think that, Hey, running, maybe remote working is something that is like a trend that, you know, would be a trend for the future. And, and it was at that point where um, I started to think about like how my, how I was running my remote team. So, so it wasn't until probably like last year when I was running my remote team and I was scaling it that I started to kind of face a lot of challenges while scaling it. Um, and so I could look at those challenges and try to figure out how to resolve them. And that's kind of how Remo really came about was really solving right. a lot of our own challenges. Right. So how big is your team now? 25. 25. And how many of them are remote? Um, right now about 20 of them are remote. All right. And so five of them are based in Hong Kong. Yeah. Five of them are. Yeah. Yes. Right. Cool. So just to backtrack a little bit. So at that time you mentioned you just started to, uh, there's an increased interest from you about the whole remote work thing, right? Um, what fascinates you the most about remote work at that time? when you just start like going deep into it, like some people are fast fascinated by the uh, work-life balance that it brings or the flexibility. What about you? I think for me at the beginning, when I first started, um, I would say it would be split into two phases. Like the first phase was that um, it was very cost effective. That mm -hmm. was the first reason why I, I chose it. And then when I kind of learned more about remote working, the second phase was more about like, I realized that, you can get a really huge talent pool. Um, and, and in Hong Kong, we don't have, we have talent, but it's, it's hard to get right. um, and expensive. And so it also was a cost effective, a cost measure, but also that you could get more for the same price. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really attractive. So it was talent. And then second really is that um, I started to realize what big of an impact that remote work had on my employees lifestyle and, and the way how they live and the way like the, the fact that they can work at home and take care of their family or take care of a yeah. sick family member, which a lot of my employees have, or take care of like their children or maybe their, their, their sister's children or whatever. Right. There's this element of, of, of being able to do more with your life um, by working remotely. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And, and I see that as like a liberating, um, you know, you're just liberated uh, with, with, with by, by basically by remote working. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that because a lot of startup founders or CEOs in the beginning, 
a lot of them, they start on the first phase, the, those pragmatic way of thinking. I hire remotely because it's cost effective, it's cheaper and whatnot. But when they go deep into it, it's absolutely just more than that. It's not even only talent, but it's also having um, a more productive team because they're happier, being able to take care of their family and friends and whatnot. So right. yeah, I've seen a lot of, pat- a lot of uh, leaders that came from the same position as you. It starts on a very practical side of things and then she realized, hey, this is more than just that. Um, so another follow-up question, you mentioned as you are scaling, there's a lot of challenges that you've faced. And I guess for yourself and also noted from your previous podcast interviews, you, you went through this transition phase to be a better leader for your remote team members, so to speak, right? Um, I, I, I would guess that's a lot of work that you need to do yourself there. Um, what was the transition like and what was the challenges? Yeah, there was, um, there was definitely a lot of challenges in, in maturing myself or, you know, my, my, as I try to mature as a leader, I think one of the, one of the critical things that I learned most was that, you know, you really have to show empathy and you have to assume that the people that you hire, assuming that you hire well, are doing what's best and not doing what's worse. So I had a lot of times where like when, you know, somebody wouldn't, I had a time when like this, this girl, she wasn't able to do this task that I did. It was like a research task that was quite repetitive and um, she would just do a really, really bad job. And, um, and, you know, my first instinct was like, oh, you know, you're, you're lazy, you're not doing your job or, you know, whatnot. And your first instinct is to think kind of like the worst of people. And, and I think that was something where it's very easy to do that because you're not in front of them. Um, you, you, you don't know. You don't know where they are. They don't communicate. Mm-hmm. So you just assume the worst because you just right. can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I've basically kind of like yelled and been really pissed off at, at people. Um, there's one mm-hmm. girl that I yelled so much that I made her cry. Um, <laughs> and she kind of, yeah, I've, I've made that. I'm definitely not proud of it, but I've definitely made, um, a number of people, you know, very unhappy and very, uh, in, in a very emotional way. And I kind of slowly realized that that's actually not really the truth. Like I might be angry about something. It turns out that, well, she's actually, um, she had trouble with, it's, it's always some other reason. Like she had right. trouble with um, her internet connection or she had trouble with um, doing this or doing that. So, so, it, it, so it's all, a lot about like trying to figure out what are the problems first before kind of assuming the worst in people. And, um, but this is assuming that you hire correctly and you have the right processes in place yeah. to make sure that they, they, they are doing, you can see that they are doing some work Hmm. and building up that trust initially. Um, and then, and so that was one thing that I, I learned a lot was you just have to ask questions first, figure out what's wrong, um, and then figure out what is not, what is an excuse and what is like an actual real reason and okay. whether they're repeatedly kind of not able to do the tasks that, that was assigned to them. Mm-hmm. And if they're repeatedly not able to do, then you can start assuming the worst and then start being more aggressive in the way how you, like do like do stuff. So for example, at, at our company, you know, we, we have a process where we ask questions, figure out what's wrong, making sure that we have supported them as much as we can to succeed. Got it. 
and we ask them all the questions like, do you guys have any issues? And we, and we say that multiple times. Like, do you have any challenges? Do you have any issues? Multiple, multiple, multiple times. Mm -hmm. And then if they still don't improve, then we say, you know, look, we've tried to support you as much as you can, what as we can. Is there anything else that we are unable to support you with? And if they say no, then we say, okay, well, it looks like you have a challenge here and I'm not sure. So right now I'm a, I can only assume that you are unable to do your work or you are not really committed. So now we have to take it to the next step, which is if we want to keep this person, by the way, if most yeah. likely at this point, we probably won't want to keep them. Mm -hmm. We would have already like, you know, said, Hey, you know what, maybe we're not the right fit. And um, we would kind of like end that relationship. Yeah. I think especially when you're a remote team, right? Uh, trust is literally everything. So um, you also mentioned that uh, based on what you said, the key of everything here is you hire the right people, right? Hiring correctly. So as you transition to be a more remote friendly companies or you are a remote company right now, right? Um, right. Now, which means that these people that you hire, you're not only hiring contractors anymore. You're also hiring remote uh, core team members, people that right. you want to have a lot of interactions with and you want you to trust to, um, how to say it, to apply themselves and help the company to go to the better direction. Right. Is there any adjustment that you made in your hiring process? Because now it's much more important. Yeah. So the way how we do it now, the way how I do it now is it's all like test-based. So okay. We test, we test them for actually tasks that they would do. Mm -hmm. So we basically test them for the job. Like if right. the job is that they had to write emails and pitch to people, we just get them to write emails to pitch to people. If the, um, right now, like we're hiring for someone to help us like organize events, mm -hmm. online events for our conference platform, which I'll talk about later. So we actually get them to do it. We actually get them right. to organize the event. So because from a remote working perspective, like all you care about is really the results. Like you, you don't, it, 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 in some ways remote working, it's, it focuses really on results because it's not about how well you interview. It's not about how well you dress. It's not about, you know, it, it almost, and actually in some ways, it's not about how well you get along with your boss, like from a, mm, right. from like a, 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 like a friendship standpoint, right? Sometimes you might meet someone, you interview them, you're like, oh, you know, we kind of connect well, and that might give you some bias. And I'm not saying that we wouldn't connect. I'm just saying when you do a remote interview, it's a bit more difficult to, more difficult to connect. So that right. element is kind of removed. So you really, really just evaluate that person's communication skills and the, their ability to do whatever the task that's required. And so we do, uh, we do a take-home test. So we give them like a list of, of tasks that they need to do um, to test like their ability. And that itself already uh, evaluates like how, how much that they want the job. So we right. only, the people that say, oh, I don't need to do this test um, because uh, you know, I have so much, so much experience, then it's like, okay, great. You know, we're not, we're probably not the right fit. Um, and that, because people, if they put effort in the test, it shows a lot. It shows that they really, really are serious and they're not just, you know, you know it just shows commitment and I like that. Um, and then the next level is we do some interviews. And the third part is we do a one-week trial, paid one-week trial. In some cases, it might be a one or two day that's, that's not paid. But for some of the core members, it's definitely paid for one week. And the one-week trial for me is probably like the most effective way. Um, it's not scalable, but it's very effective. 
um, I've pretty much been like, like have been able to not have anyone leave after I started this process. Like it's just so effective for me. I know that person really, really well within that one week, not super well, but I'm saying like, I know quite well how they work within that one week. Mm-hmm. And then I'm very confident to say like, okay, I know how you work. Then we can, we can start working. It's just, you know, you would never buy a car or buy a computer without test driving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or date, date around or marry someone without test driving. So I <laughs> right. feel like you should definitely do that for uh, key employees or, or, you know, core team members. Right. And how long is the usual hiring cycle, especially for core team members? I mean, it's a bit longer, I have to be mm-hmm. honest. Like it could, it's around about like maybe a month to month and a half. Mm-hmm. But one of the interesting things is that we've been able to kind of optimize that process and we've been able to like get the process down where people come in and they just do the tests and then we start the one, the, the one week trial. So we can get someone in within like two months if we, if we can. The only, well, I would say is the only reason why that this kind of works is because right now, there's a lot more people that want to work from home than people who want to, that want to hire remote workers. So from Mm -hmm. an employer perspective, um, you get a lot of talent and you can basically go from the, you know, target the entire world. So that helps tremendously in in the speed of hiring. Yeah. And I think it's kind of normal for uh, remote companies to have um, more than one month hiring cycle. I've seen that other companies like uh, TextYard, they're based in Boston, and I know Help Scout or even Zapier, they have really long hiring cycles just because that it makes more sense to be more careful, you know, when you're hiring remotely. And you, you have this like skin in, skin in the game approach where you work uh, with these people for a couple of weeks or almost a month and to figure out how they work. Yeah. I think it's pretty common. And I think that's a lot of, um, well, if, if it depends on how you calculate like the hiring uh cycle, right? Because a lot of these companies, they will start a freelance contract first, like for one month. And then after the one month, then they offer something more, more, more permanent and more um, real. We do the same thing after that one week. We also have another one month freelance contract as well. So it's actually not two months. Like it could be extended to three months easily mm-hmm. because of that one month trial. It's a freelance contract. And then after we evaluate them within the month, then we then stay, then we make the call. Mm-hmm. Got it. So going back to more like on the team management side of things and communication side of things. So I've listened to on one of your previous podcasts. I think it's the one with running remote. Um, you mentioned that you are a very operational person. You like to do things uh, very hands-on, right? Um, you know, setting up Zapier or write some codes and whatnot. Um, however, I think when you are transitioning to be a remote team, you have to play the CEO role a bit more. Okay, you know, the company vision and those kind of leadership role, like big picture things. Was that a challenge for you um, to transition from this more operational role to more um, how to say it, like uh, high up, so to speak? So, I mean, at, at, so um, from the perspective of Riley, which is, which is where a lot of the growth and the, the scaling came from, mm-hmm. um, I would definitely say that, yes, it was, it was challenging to get, to, to get uh, less operational and more high level. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think they all, honestly, like for me, the only reason how I was able to get away from like doing so operational stuff is I just didn't have enough time. Like I just had not enough time to kind <laughs> of it. take care of everything. And one of the things that I really did really well, I think I, I, I do relatively well is creating kind of SOPs and processes. Okay. So I, I do that relatively well. So I create the right processes um, and get all that stuff down in order to scale myself so that I don't have to look at all that kind of thing. So Zapier is a good example of that. Like Zapier, like I don't mind creating all the Zapiers, all the Zaps, because you do it once and because you know what the right. process flow is. You do it once and it's pretty much done and set. So that stuff is stuff that like I, I enjoy doing, um, but kind of slowly not doing that. Um, initially like it was just because I just didn't have enough time. Like I, mm-hmm. I just, it was more of like I was forced into giving up a lot of that stuff for me personally. Right. Got it. It's interesting. You mentioned that you like building SOPs and processes because a lot of startup founders that I know, they actually hate processes. You know what I mean? And a lot of them actually had trouble when they transitioned from a smaller startup, a nimble and agile startup to a, medium stage one where they need more process and they just absolutely hate it. And it's interesting that I feel like in your case, this is a superpower for you actually. Like you, you like design the process and then let everyone do it. Um, so, yeah. so that's super interesting actually. Yeah. I think for me, like the way how I see it is like, I see it in a way where like the only, like when, when I do things manually, I always love to do things manually. Mm-hmm. And then when I develop the process, it's like I'm starting to hand it off to someone. Got it. That's, that's how I see process. I see process right. as, as we're now at the next stage of scale and I can now hand it off to someone. So mm-hmm. I need to create the process to give, to give to that person. Mm-hmm. Now, I think like if you were in a remote company, like if you, everybody worked at the same place, mm-hmm. that training would be done side by side. Like I would have, Hey, person A or, you know, friend, like I need to, I need you to do this. So I'm going to teach you right now, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But what, what, so I, I just took that. I do basically the same thing, very similar. And what I do is I t- bring someone in and I teach them, but I record my entire screen while I'm like teaching them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then after that, um, I then tell that person and say, hey, you watch this video, you learn it. And um, that, that, that is the process. Right. And then we use the video as basically the process. Got it. We use the video as a process because when you train someone, right, when you train the next person, all you need to do is just show them the video. Right. And then they do it. And then they, and if the process changes, you just re-record it as, as it is. Right. So, so what, what we've done at this scale, when I talk about like SOPs, like it's not an actual document. It's actually not a document. It's mm-hmm. actually a video recording. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because people, when you show it to them in a video, the learn rate, the learning rate is much faster. It's super fast and you can follow along and people can pause and start. And the other great reason why video is so great is that you can, um, when someone, when you teach someone something for the first time, mm-hmm. I mean, how, 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 what percent do you think the average person is going to be able to absorb? True. It's probably maybe 50% at most, right? Mm-hmm. Of what you said. So they're going to, they need to go back and review it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I like using products like Loom to do that kind of recording. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Loom is amazing. I also use it from time to time. And it is, I think this is a really smart way to approach it because 
now I realize that a lot of people that I know that hate processes, they actually not necessarily hate the process, but they also hate the the documentation of it, right? right. Oh, I need right. to spend time writing that. But if you start with just, you know, uh, recording a video and you can even, you can still delegate, hey, I record this video and then ask someone, can you create a written version yes, of it? Exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, that, that's a much easier way. You could even say, here's the video and you train someone mm-hmm. and you tell that person after you train them, you say, please write the documentation of that video and give it back to me. I've done this before. Mm-hmm. Get it back to me and I review it. Then, then it's like they're just translating the information onto a piece of paper. Right. But the reason why I don't like documents yet like processes yet is because our processes are still in flux. Mm-hmm. So yeah, recording videos just, you know, it's just so easy. Like it just takes mm-hmm. five minutes, like literally, or the amount of time that you need to do for that, for that process. And you can talk through it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And recording video, it's in a way, some kind of like magical, um, it's some kind of like high fidelity communications, right? Yes. It's not yeah. only written documents. So I interviewed the CEO of a startup called Yak Chat. So they basically are like uh, voice communication tools for remote teams. And it's amazing to see like when you move out from the written form of communication, things are just can get easier if you know how to do it well. And it just opens like different um how to say different possibilities or different feelings for your remote team. People feel closer and whatnot when you move out from the written form, you know, Slack and and so on. So right. Um still around the um before we move on to our next topic, still around the um how to say the topic of communication. Um when you're transitioning, you know, to be a better leader, to be a better communicator, so to speak. Um, is there any top resources that help you to go to that place? Any recommended books, podcast episodes, or blog posts? To be a better leader? Um, yeah. When you're transitioning to be a better, you know, remote leader. Um, yeah. Like, um, so Workplaceless has like a module that, that, mm-hmm. talk, that is a whole module about leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, Workplaceless.com. That, that place is actually pretty good. Um, in terms of books, like, like Lisette Sunderland has like some pretty good, has a good book about, about that type of stuff. Um, Laurel Ferrer, like she's uh, definitely one of like one of the major, uh, um, kind of, I guess, I don't know if it's an influencer, but a major player in, in terms of like remote work and communication, mm-hmm. she's pretty good. Um, that's specific for remote leadership and communication, not Got for it. general though. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Now I want to talk more about uh, Remo. Uh, it's the is it the full name is Remo or just Remo app or uh, Remo? Yeah, Remo. Remo. So yeah, can you elaborate more about Remo to our audience again? Sure. So um, Remo is is really hard to describe in, in words. Um, I usually at this point I will show a video. Um, Maybe you can like put a YouTube link there. I can send you and you can take a look at it. But sure, yeah. Imagine, imagine The Sims, the game The Sims. Um, the Sims is 3D and people kind of walk around and stuff like that. Imagine that, except it's 2D and it's like a top-down map of like a building, kind of like an architecture drawing. Mm-hmm. And people are represented by circles, um, and each in each circle, it's like th- that person's face. And you can double-click and you can go into any room that you want. And the moment that you walk into that room, 
you can turn on your audio and video and you can talk to the people in that room immediately, just in that room. So you can kind of think of it as like, like a Skype on steroids, sort of like a chat roulette mm-hmm. for, for work kind of. Um, and the biggest difference of what, what really why, what we're trying to solve is, is several things. One is that when we talk about work and we talk about meetings or we talk about like how people communicate, people do their work and then they have a meeting and then they do their work again and right. they'll go to lunch and they'll eat lunch with their, with, with their colleagues or people will walk around in meetings and have chats, you know, hallway chats and all kinds of stuff. That's what a normal in an office look is like. But when it comes to um, a remote work, you've got work and then meetings and then you don't really have anything else. Right. And so, and so, and, and what you also don't have is you're also in a box, like inside one room in your own office and you don't see anybody else. So there's no uh, verbal, extra verbal hallway communication and there's no visual communication. Like I can't see someone that's actually there, like their back, for example, and you can't see it. So what, what we're trying to solve is number one is the feeling of togetherness, the feeling that we all are here together and that this is our home, like this is our office. And using one common visual map as a visual language foundation where, you know, we can all kind of say, oh, let's go to the, um, you know, the Game of Thrones room and point at things that we all kind of know and see. So number one is presence. Number two is the fact that like, it's it's because of the reduced amount of social communication, um, people get either lonely or they get isolated or they don't feel as a team and and there's no like social kind of elements to it to mm-hmm. to kind of like work or or it's just literally just work like you're mm-hmm. literally just sitting at your desk doing doing your work and then having meetings right. so we're trying to solve that and the third final thing is is like the ability to talk to someone immediately right mm-hmm. and when you're in um when you're in like the office you can do that you can just tap somebody on the shoulder you can just immediately and just turn around and and say, hey, I have this question to, to, to your colleague right next to you to get, get feedback to, you know, whatever. But it's really hard. It's a huge barrier when you do that when it comes to a remote work. Right. And so we want to lower that barrier of entry for people so that they can easily enter into high quality, high resolution communication easily and not just talk through voice or just talk through text, which in relative aspects is relatively low, low quality communication. It's just, it's very one dimensional. There's a lot of things you can miss just by text um, alone. And so, so that, those are the things that we're trying to uh, solve. Right. I think um, in general, a lot of remote companies trying to tackle this problem with, you know, the combination of Zoom, Slack, and probably there's another employee experience person that, organize you know uh, a beer meeting or let's watch a video <laughs> meeting i'm not sure um how is it different from that how is remote different from that so so let's talk about so, so let's talk about slack and zoom first and then you can tell me what else i need to compare to uh, mm-hmm. which other ones sure. i need to compare so slack is um text-based it's just right. text-based mm-hmm. and um so that's number one like there's a lot of back and forth that happens when you're on slack 
Um, there's a lot of times when I use my product where like, I just want to talk to someone on, I just want to, I just call them or I just, you know, I just go to a room and ask them a question mm-hmm. and that saves you a lot of time of that back and forth. That's number one. Number two is that misunderstanding. And number three is the amount of time you have to type, spend piping, um, mm-hmm. things. I mean, text chat has a place in communication. All I'm, all I feel or what we feel at Remo is text shouldn't be used for everything. Right. It should be used for some things, but it can't be one size fits all. I think there are certain situations where you should be changing it up to different mediums in order to convey feelings, be more persuasive, talk, give feedback, you know, do, do more things that are more, that require more of a human kind of touch to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So that's number one. Uh, Zoom is great for meetings and it goes back to like what I was talking about before, which Everyone has, does meetings and work. Well, got it, yeah. But, but Zoom doesn't tackle everything else. It doesn't do anything else aside from that 30 minutes of meetings. When you go to a Zoom meeting, I know some people that do a really great job that they're like, oh, hey, how's it going? How's, how's the family? You know, blah, blah, blah. They get to a chat, which is normal when you work at like an office, right? And mm-hmm. you have those, those conversations. But in remote work, a lot, of, a lot of people don't do that, don't know how to do that feel shy. They don't haven't developed that close enough rapport beforehand to be able to ask those type of questions. There's, there's a lot of gap and a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily happen there. And mm-hmm. therefore it, 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 it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, I guess with the visual, how does it, with the visual aspect of Fremo, actually when I first saw you guys, um, I saw that, hey, this is actually super interesting because they add the playfulness essence on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's not, not all about work. I know this, is, this will be sound like a very salesy arm I'm supporting, but that's just genuinely what I felt when I first um, oh, thank you. Uh, saw your yeah. product on your yeah. website. So yeah, I just found the idea fascinating. So um, currently, um, now you guys were, are developing this for use mostly for internal communications or remote work. Any other surprising use cases that you've uh, found people are using it for that you never thought of? Because in my mind, there's yeah. a lot of different things. Sure. With this. Yeah. Before I answer that, I, I do want to mention one other thing um, about remote work is, you know, I think there's a lot of ways to do remote work. Every company mm-hmm. kind of does it a little bit differently. Yeah. And I think what, what at Remo, what we believe remote work is, is that remote work needs to have that human element to it. Right. We, I, we believe that for remote work to be adopted by more people, it needs to be more accessible. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to be more like real work and have that social element rather right. than not. Mm-hmm. And it needs to have that presence um, and that ability to connect with people very, very easily. And that's, what we're, that's what's core to Remo. It's more about the human experience between people, how to develop connections. And we, I, I, my, my belief is that future of work, the future of work isn't remote work and everybody just works by themselves. Right. The future of work is you're able to connect with people at a very, very high quality way and very easily socialize with them just like in an offline environment. And if just using text or just using audio or even just video without anything else, that alone will not be the, I, I 
believe will not just by itself be able to solve the future of work, or be the future of what remote work is. And, and just kind of like a final point, the reason why we've developed remote is because what a lot of people view remote work is, is that it's either zero or one. It's like either right. I come in and I don't know anything or I'm like fully remote and I work by myself in my room. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's worked remotely or has someone who's not worked remotely, they've worked in a co-located location with others. I think that's too big of a jump. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, that's way too big of a jump. It's like saying, it's like telling uh, a basketball team, right. Oh, Hey, go play football. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the first thing is the the coach can't even yell across the field to tell you <laughs> what to do. Right. I mean, there's such a big distance. I mean, I think that's a really, that's like a really kind of, like, like, like something you can compare to, that's like the biggest thing. And so what we believe at Remo is it's, we are, we don't claim to say that this is the right way to remote work. We say that this is like 0.2, this is like 0.4. This is, it helps people get into the idea of remote work, something that's familiar with what they've been doing already. And how do you slowly kind of sink into that remote work environment while retaining some of these social aspects? Right. Rather than just cutting off all those social aspects and expect people to be okay with that, mm-hmm. and and I and I think that's that might work for some, but I don't think it works for everyone. Right. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So basically, you're saying that going forward, you can see Remo, uh, Remo. Sorry, you can see Remo being promoted or being used for even other like broader use cases other than internal team management. So it's big, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that, so, so that brings up a good question. So, like, we started to kind of host events now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we developed um, internally. We use we use the product a little bit differently too. We experiment with it, and mm-hmm. one of the ways we did use it for is for like happy hours and networking. Right. Right. Um, so we set up a time and we say, "Hey guys, we're gonna have you have a happy hour," and people just kind of organize amongst themselves into different rooms and talk. And they kind of jump into from room to room and then they do that. So we started to say, hey, why don't we do this for networking? And so we created um, a, 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 a similar platform where it's just strictly for to help people to come together to network. So it's kind of like webinar plus networking. Right. And um, we did this for um, the Remote Work Summit where they had 10,000 people uh, go to that summit. And uh, we, we basically had a lot of spaces um, having people in, they come in, they network across the different tables, turn on their audio and video, and then they listen to like a uh, discussion. So mm-hmm. we've literally 100% basically mimicked off an offline conference experience yep. online. And when we did this, the, um, the response was really amazing. Um, and so this is something that we, we've seen as like another use case for our platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally imagine that, you know, like, like you mentioned, like an offline event, there are several speakers that's currently speaking and you can just hop on from one room to another to see which topics interest you yeah, the most. That's right. that's and right. then if you don't like it, then you just leave. That's right. right. Um, so currently, you know, I feel like uh, Remo is in a way how to say it? It's quite innovative in a way. I mean, the essence itself is not exactly new. As in, like, it's just communication, right? Better communication. But it's like innovative in a way that you present it, you know, using it for webinars and whatnot. 
Um, have you ever met any challenge when you are marketing Remo itself? Does make sense? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the biggest challenge I think is that people need to come in and experience it with a group of people in order yeah. for them to feel the full kind of the aha moment. And mm -hmm. I think that's a big challenge. It's mm -hmm. a big challenge to get people in and it's a big challenge to get other people to come in and to mm -hmm. kind of make, get that feeling, to get that sense that, oh, this is, this is how, it's, how it's like. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one big challenge. And I think the second biggest challenge is that it's a hard thing to describe. Like, it's not easy to describe this um, to people and to make them feel excited about it because it's, it's an experience product. Like it's, it's, it's a product where you have to experience in order to kind of get it. So, you know, I, our, our, the way how we, we try to kind of pitch this product is we try to like make it as, uh, we use video a lot, you know, we, use, we, we basically use video a lot to try to explain right. the product to people. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I totally agree with you. Um, when I first see Remo, it, it looks cool. But I think to fully appreciate it, I probably need to to be there um, in a certain event, for example, or use it fully with my team to actually appreciate the whole um, the whole experience of it. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that. Um, so you you mentioned several things about the product itself and also your transition quote-unquote, from a normal CEO to be CEO that leads a remote team, right? Um, how many of the things that you've learned during that transition part affects your decision on, on affects your product decisions on developing Remo? For example, when you, when you realize that, okay, trust is super important, and that's why you want to build a more um, social aspect of Remo. Basically, is there any learnings? So, I mean, there's a few. So the first one is like, like trust can be better established if the managers can actually see what people are doing. So, but not seeing someone like 100% what they're doing. So I'll give you an example. When you're at work, right? right. You walk by someone, you don't like go and like peer over their screen and look at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. right you don't you don't do that but you do feel that they're working and from a Got manager it. standpoint you feel that they're working is like well their back is towards you uh they're clicking maybe they're on a phone call maybe they're most managers if you you hire well like you you know you you know that they either don't go on facebook or you're okay with that because you trust them that you know what you know right. you know what they're doing um so i try to like replicate that in in, in remo so for example in remo you can see when people are talking, when people are typing, and when people are turn their video or share screen on. Ah. So, so it's really exciting to see a group of your teammates in a room with share screen video on. Like it's just an icon on top of their avatar, circle avatars. I don't actually see their screen. It's just an icon to show that they're sharing their screen. Got it. And and that is that. And, and there's and we also have another icon is when they're talking. Like the the um, that there that there'll be like an icon showing that their mouth would move, mm -hmm. like an icon showing that they're talking, like mm -hmm. a little yellow icon of an emoji, and that changed all everything, because then now I have this feeling that people are working. It's it's such a you know superficial thing, you know. Right. Like managers shouldn't be saying that. They should be trusting <laughs> them. But yeah, yeah. you know it it I think it's partially that like you know, you see them working, but I think the second thing is that you see feedback. Like, Got it's it. just, 
you see things going on. Like you don't, you don't know exactly if they're working. They could not be working. They could be talking about, you know, like, you know, random stuff, but right. you just, you see things happening. It, it builds up that feeling that like, Hey, you know what? We're, you know, we're doing, we're doing great stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. And the second thing is, you know, kind of asking people how they are like doing like check-ins um, for that. So we're developing a beta, um, a feature where people can kind of write in very quickly, like what they've been up to, what they're doing. Uh, like for example, what is our favorite game of Thrones character? It's kind of like a very short Twitter update. Right. Right. And this Twitter update kind of pops up like very rarely on the map. And so you can kind of see what people are, what, what they, what they answered on a certain question for that question of the day, for example. Mm-hmm. And you can see those questions. Um, and you can also like see like their emojis. Um, so it's kind of like a status update, but it's a status update on a specific contextual topic. Got it. Yeah. And that contextual topic drives conversations and it also allows you to f- feel more empathetic to people to say, Hey, you know, let's, Oh, maybe you're not in a good mood. What's happening at home and allows you to start those conversations with people so that you can ask and understand, oh, maybe they have a lot of things going on at home, therefore that's impacting work. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's going on? What's the context behind that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that makes sense. Even though when we say on remote team, trust 100% important, right? Like you just mentioned, like, as a manager or as a leader, you should be able to trust your team member that they are actually doing stuff. but. Um, in my mind, like you mentioned that you, with Remo, you can actually, um, see that this person is sharing a screen and this person is having a video call with another person. It, to me, it seems like you're giving the right amount of transparency without being invasive. Yes, that's right. Like the most invasive one is, okay, you know, um, I want to crack your monitor. So that's the, yeah. the worst yeah. ever. But, yeah. but yeah. the least invasion is just like, oh, you're online on Slack. You're probably working. But, you know, when, if, especially when you're like new, um, how is it, new leaders in the remote team, you probably can't feel that enough. But with Remo, it can give you the right amount of transparency. So I think, it, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think for Remo, one of the things that we really value is that remote work is that you can, you can do every the things that you want to do whenever you want and you're able to have the privacy like nobody wants invasive tracking mm-hmm. and so we have definitely don't feel that that is the solution to everything mm-hmm. however it's how do you balance the right amount of transparency so that it doesn't make people uncomfortable with with right. that and i think that's 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 what we uh what that's what we're trying to do and that's what our map allows us to do and that's actually our biggest differentiator is this map this map allows us to bring in a lot of these type of of elements that make people um feel better uh more transparency um you know other tools out there they they can't afford that they can't, they're unable to do that it's just right. text or it's just um a chat box with a bunch of names on it and you have to manually upgrade update like your your status on it like like those are all good stuff. It's all great. I think that that works for a lot of teams and that is the way how we differentiate ourselves. Right. So for the office map, you actually can design the office yourself. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a package where like you can design your office and then we can uh, then set it up for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. You should sell like a office template that sells like offices from certain sitcoms or something like that. 
like the office yeah, Simpsons cool idea. or the office. Uh, that'll be interesting. Like, okay. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Right. Um, so what's next for Remo? What's your uh, next product roadmap or um, events or activities that you're planning right now? Or So with respect, to, with respect to Remo, like a lot of the stuff that we're doing right now is really related um, more going more into like the social aspect of the remote workplace, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, like, how do you make, um, people connect better? And we're really, really focused on that, on the connection between people and how to like create natural conversations, how to make people feel more comfortable in, um, in sharing or, or participating in, in, in events, um, within the company. So we're really, really focused on that type of aspect. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the second thing we're focusing on is like, um, doing more events. So we're doing a lot, a lot more events. Now, um, we have an event coming up this week, um, and for product hunt, and we have another event next week for remote working as well. Oh, cool. Um, which you guys are a part of actually, which code mentor, yep. uh, arc, sorry, arc right. is a part of. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we're doing a lot of online events. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. That's super interesting. Right. Um, so my last question for this interview, um, some of our listeners or audience out there are probably startup founders or CEOs or even managers that is want to try to hire remote team members, um, mostly core team members or even contractor, but they probably are still hesitate to take the step, you know, because they're afraid you don't know how to manage people remotely. Um, what is, um, is there any advice for, from you to them to make sure that they're, again, the transition to be a remote leader um, much more smoother? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there is. Um, I think, like, the first thing is, you know, as a, as, a, as a leader, you should definitely work remotely for a few days. Mm-hmm. Like, you should try to work remotely a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you have team members in the office, you should tell you and your whole team to work remotely for maybe two days a week, three days a week, and then slowly ramp it up to four or five days a week and have the whole team kind of realize what it's like to, to work remotely and use that as a baseline and say, this is what it's like. And we need to be remote first. Um, if that is the goal, um, to be remote first. And, and then that gives everybody that, 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 that feeling and understanding. And then the second part is, um, is to build trust within your employees by having, you know, deep conversations about, um, about expectations. Mm-hmm. Here are the expectations. Here are the rules. This is what I expect from you. Making sure those expectations are very clear. Um, I do have a uh, transition template that helps people transition from a normal, like co-located company to a remote company. Oh, cool! And it and it gives you all of the documents that you need to prepare. It tells you all the documents to prepare. It tells you these are the things that you need to do. Um, And it's something where it gives you even a timeline of how to do it. And um, also if your company is really big, for example, and you want to transition to a fully remote team, it's also that. So if you're just hiring, there's a lot of stuff in there that you can definitely pull out. So for example, um, communication protocols. Mm -hmm. Um, All these documents, all they do is they just set the expectations between the manager and the employee. So, or the team member, so that they all understand that these are the expectations that are being set. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whether you follow them or not is up to the company itself and whether like, you know, you, you, you want to, but at least there's something written on paper where people can then can look at, cause that's all there, that, that, that's all there is in a remote world. If it's not written on paper and it's talked about it, it's very difficult to communicate to a team. If you just verbally say it, it's very difficult. And that's when a case with Slack is useful where mm-hmm. you have policies, you have announcements. Slack is great for that because it's on paper. It's on writing. Mm-hmm. It's in words. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, that, that's the point where Slack is really, you know, Slack or chat is really good. Um, so I would say that. And then um, to kind of make that jump, um, I would also say like to hire a remote full, full-time, uh, full-time member is to make sure that when you hire your first person, you really need to kind of work hard making sure that you connect with that person on a personal level. Mm-hmm. So having a one-on-one chat with that person and, or the manager to have that one-on-one chat with that person on a weekly basis. Um, I think that's pretty important. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. Usually you, people should be doing that at a, at, when you're working in a co-located office, but sometimes people don't do that for whatever reason, you know, maybe right. they don't have time or maybe the team is not big enough. But for a remote team member, you should always do it no matter what the size of the team is. I got burned because I did not build a deep enough connection with a remote team member and then they left. Mm-hmm. Because got it. they were just, they didn't feel that they were part of the team. They didn't feel anything. They were just this one person like in the clouds and it wasn't, it just wasn't good. Yeah. It, that, that, yeah. So. Yeah. They can feel like a second class citizen, you know, when, especially yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when it's co-located. Yeah. For yeah, the yeah. template that you mentioned, is this something that you can share with the audience? Yeah, yeah, I can definitely share that that template with the audience for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely share it to um on our show notes and also uh retweet it on our social media if you don't mind. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Cool Hoin, thank you so much for your time today. I actually learned a lot and it's a very fascinating uh talk. So for the listener out there, um where can they find you online? Yeah, they can uh, find me on LinkedIn um, if they search for... Well, actually, you can find me on Twitter. It's just mm-hmm. Hoyin D, H-O-Y-I-N-C. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also LinkedIn, I can give you the links as well for that. Right, awesome. Hoyin, thank you so much for your time today. Great. Thank you so much, Jovian. This is great. This is fun. Uh, have a good one. Thanks. And that's it for another episode of Outside the Valley brought to you by ARC. We created this podcast with the hope that in each episode, you can learn something new from other remote startup people. So if you have any feedback or suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at jovian at arc.dev. It's J-O-V-I-A-N at A-R-C dot D-E-V. Or you can find us on Twitter at arc.dev. See you next week with another episode of Outside the Valley and ciao. Um, so again, can you elaborate more to our audience? Uh, what is Remo? And then, sorry, blah, blah, blah. Let me, let me can cut this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. So, three, two, one.